Today I want to spend a little time to talk to you about peace, our second candle of the Advent. I want to spend a little time to talk to you about peace. Now, I know the first thing you think about when you think about Christmas and this time out of the year is peace, right? I mean, this has been sort of a, a year where Thanksgiving seems like it came late, and then the next week you know it's Advent and Christmas is here. So I sort of think about Christmas in this way, is that uh, when my oldest was, was 13, 12 or 13, and he's 30 now, so this is the last time I ever did this, is we went to Six Flags, and there was a brand new ride there called the Texas Titan. And so, you know, you, you, this thing was enormous, several stories high. And, and uh, you know, he, this was like, he'd never, he'd ridden the, the runaway mine train, but he'd never ridden a real roller coaster. So we, we stand in line for about 45 minutes and had plenty of time to think about this and back out, but I wasn't gonna do it now. I didn't want my son to think I was a chicken. So we, we get on the ride, and, and you're riding, and you start out with a ride, and it goes straight up, and you're going click, 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 and you think like, well, this is not bad, until I looked over the side about 20 stories down, and we came up over the hill. It was bad. <laughs> so when it comes to this time of year, and, and, and it's post-Thanksgiving, that's sort of how you feel, isn't it? You feel like a co roller coaster ride, Feels like, now I told Blake, I said, you know, we turned over three or four times. He said, well, how do you know? You had your eyes closed. I can tell when I'm upside down. He said, Dad, we never went upside down, but that's my story and I'm sticking to it. But that's sort of how it feels like this time of year. So we come and we today talk about peace. And peace doesn't seem natural, does it? It doesn't come to us naturally. Peace is not something that we ordinarily do. Peace and patience are two things that usually takes time. I posted a picture on Facebook uh, this week, a couple of days ago, and it had a picture of me at my, when I was still bright and shine, shiny at my wedding when Don and I got married, and I had jet black hair. It's not jet black anymore. So, but if you want to know about peace and patience, you look for somebody who's got a little gray around the temples, don't you? Their, their eyes wrinkle over at the sides. Those are the kind of people you talk to about peace. So I wanted to take you on a journey today to talk about three of our things that are concerning peace. And we're going to start, we're, we're analog today, I don't think there's anything digitally uploaded or anything, but we're going to talk today, or start today in Isaiah 9-6. And I've got some notes in here if I can find them. Now the cowboys are not playing today, and the bears are not playing today. There's leftovers in the refrigerator in the kitchen, I check. So if we go long, we've got resources, okay? But if you look at our banner we have up on here, this is one of the scriptures, this is, our, this is sort of the theme I'll be using today, but Isaiah 9-6. This is a familiar verse, but let's take some time to look at that. Let's not go too fast. So if you look in your scripture at Isaiah 9-6. It says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the covenant shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
Prince of Peace. So in this section here, if you, if you read all of Isaiah 9, none of it reads like this one verse here. Isaiah 9 is that they're used to being in some trouble, but God gets them out. God's preparing them for what's coming next. Is they're not going to get out of the trouble that's coming in the rest of Isaiah. But he gives us this verse to give us hope and also to give us peace. But if we look at these four titles here, these are four titles that you give not only the Heavenly Father, but God the Son. Because Jesus was a wonderful counselor. Or we can interpret that wonderful, we can interpret that as miraculous. We saw Jesus do miraculous things when He was here on earth. And we've experienced ourselves the miraculous thing that God done in our life. So we can identify that God is the wonderful, the marvelous, the miraculous counselor. We also see a God that we can depend on because He is a mighty God. He is a sovereign God. There are no mistakes. God is not covering up our mistakes. God is a sovereign God. He knows what's going to happen. He knows when it's going to happen. But we can trust Him because we know that all power is in God and that He is a mighty God. And the encouraging thing is that He is an everlasting Father. Everlasting. That's always and forever. So God is going to be here. And He's going to be a Father that gives us wisdom. He's going to be a Father that cares for us. A Father that guides us. And then this last title is the one I want to talk to you today. is about the Prince of Peace. This is a title of royalty that we give Christ. That He is the Prince of Peace. And every Prince has His subjects. And you are his subjects. If you've come into the kingdom and you are in the kingdom of God, you are serving the Prince of Peace. So we come to him as a royal subject, as, as he is our royal. We come to him as royal subjects. We come to serve him, to worship him, to adore him, to give him thanksgiving. We're going to read that in one of the other verses here. But that's what I want to think about today is the Prince of Peace. And we're going to flip over a few pages and look at Isaiah 53. We're going to look at Isaiah 53 in verse 5. This also will be a familiar verse. But I want, to think of, I want you to think about it in the context of peace and Christ being the Prince of Peace. It says, But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, or often it reads, by his wounds, we are healed. So this healing he's talking about is a healing from sin and death. Is that this is a condition as mankind, this is a human condition that we're born in. And we're not naturally at peace with God, we are at enmity with God. There's some verses that said we are enemies of God. And it's because of our separation from God because of the original sin of Adam and Eve. And so now we have the separation from God. And this verse he gives us is that he is not an angry God that wants to punish, but he is an angry God that is holy. He's not an angry God, but he is a holy God. He is a God that requires recompense. He is a God that requires uh, a compensation, if you will, for our sins. And this is pointing out in Isaiah 53 as Christ is the perfect Lamb of God. Christ is the one who comes 
to pay that penalty of sin. And this is not your neighbor's sin. This is not the sin we see in the world, but this is the sin we see in the mirror. I don't have to get far past the mirror to see that I need help. So this is what Christ brings. This is what the Prince of Peace brings as he comes and he brings to us that peace that only God can give. And it's a peace that we can enter into God because of the price that Christ pay. And it's a peace that none other can offer. It's only the priest that the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, can offer you. So we see that in Isaiah. We see this written probably seven, eight hundred years before the birth of Christ in Bethlehem. So this is a remarkable thing that we see here. And this is the long-awaited Savior that we see. I also want to take time to look at another verse in Romans 5. This sort of brings this whole idea of uh, paying for the transgressions of sin. If we look at Romans 5, that very first verse. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So it goes on to explain in Romans 5 what this peace is. But this is a peace, as we look at Isaiah 53, this is a peace that came at a very costly price. And the price it cost was Christ's death on the cross to pay for our sins. And that's the only way we can have peace with God. So we see this in, in Isaiah 53, and we see it talking about being justified in Romans 5. And so the redemptive work that Christ gives is a work that he does. We have faith in Christ. We have faith in Christ because of what he did on the cross, is that now we can have a relationship with God. So peace with God, is that a good thing? Can you say that's a good thing? Well, there's only one way that we can have peace with God, and that's through Christ and through his cross, as we'll look at later on. But this is a gift. These are gifts when we talk about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, those fruit of the Spirit. These are only gifts. These are gifts that money can't buy. I can't go find a price tag for this. I can't look up peace on Amazon. I can look it up, but it's not going to be peace we talk about here. So this is something that transcends our earthly world and goes into our spiritual world and gives us peace through Christ, through God. So peace with God is where we would start when we talk about peace. The next thing is a big deal, too. This is peace with self. Have you met yourself? I mean, some of you people are messed up. But like I said, is that I don't have to look past the mirror. I have to deal. That's, that's the person I have to deal with. But peace with self is a big deal. And we also see that coming through the reconciliation of Jesus Christ through, through his redemptive work. So when we talk about peace with self, let's take a look at Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Y'all didn't know I was going to give you a Bible drill today. So let's look at Philippians 4. We're going to be looking at verses 6 and 7. And this is the context is peace with self, peace with ourselves. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts 
and your minds in Christ Jesus. So again, this is not a normal, this is not a normal condition. If you're talking to somebody and they're upset about something, they have stuff going on, they're anxious about something, what do you tell them? Don't be anxious. Is that what you tell them? How much does that help? That doesn't help. But anxious is, 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 a, is a normal setting. So we sort of see this contrast of anxiousness, of angst against peace. And God calls us to peace through his Lord and Savior, through Jesus Christ. So in order for us to receive this peace or to be anxious for nothing, what do we need to do? Is we need to pray to God. So, and I think John's the one who said this. I'll, I'll give him credit for it. But the Bible is God's way of him talking to us. And prayer is our way to talk to God. And so that's what he's saying here is that when we're anxious, where do we go? Well, usually I get on the phone or I get on the Facebook or my messenger or my texting. And I start texting other people. But that's not what it says here. It says that we go to God. We go to God with our prayers. We go to God with thanksgiving, supplications. So a good way to remember this when you're praying to God is the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. Is we want to, when we go to God in prayer, we can do these four things. And the first one is adoration. We give God the adoration that is due Him. We adore Him. We love Him because of what we've seen Him do on the cross. We love Him because there's no other way we can have redemption. There's only hope we have is through Jesus Christ. So he's worthy of our adoration. He is the Prince of Peace. And then we have confessions. So you should be able to come up with a short list of what you need to confess. If not, talk to your spouse. I'm sure she has a list. Her list is probably longer than yours, but just want to let you know. But we come to God and we ask, we confess our sins and tell Him we need help. And also, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, we just entered a time of Thanksgiving by celebrating Thanksgiving, but also throughout the whole year and through the rest of the year as we come to Christmas, we get together with family, uh, we receive gifts, we give gifts. We are always in this spirit of Thanksgiving. But we need to go to God every day with Thanksgiving just because of what He's given us, because He has given us peace, because He has given us hope. And then supplication. So I'm adoring Christ. I'm confessing to Christ, okay? I'm giving thanksgiving to Christ, and after I've done those things, I can come to Him with my supplications, my prayers. Now, usually we have a panic button, spiritually, is that I go about my way, I do my life, and then when I get in trouble, I get in a panic, somebody's in the hospital, I don't know what to do, I hit the panic button. But in this verse here in Philippians, it talks about this is sort of a condition that we have in life, is that if we go around and we, we just have a constant spirit of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, we won't be anxious. We can enter into His peace. We can know that His peace is real and that it comes to us and that this is a peace that God, this is a peace that only God can give. It's not a peace that the world knows. And if you experience that, you know that. You've gone through difficult times yourself, I'm sure, either through health or finances or family condition and stuff. And you've entered through this peace because you've come to God and you've prayed to Him. And people on the outside are looking at that. Now, how could they be peaceful for that? How can they thank God in these times of trouble? So even your thanksgiving and your supplication and your confession and your peace is a witness to God's good work. So I would encourage you that as we seek 
peace with self is that this is where we go. We go to prayer. We talk to God. We'll receive his peace. That's the promise we see here. Philippians 6 and 7. Now this one may be too long to talk about, but we're going to talk about peace with others. Peace with others. So I'm not going to ask for confessions at this time, but Christmas is a wonderful time, but it's also sometimes a trying time because you have lots going on. You are fellowshipping with other people. You're entertaining family. You're doing things. You don't have enough time to do all the things that's on your calendars. But this is a time that we seek for peace with others. In Colossians 3.15, Colossians 3.15, we say, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and to be thankful. So I hope today as you come to church and you come together as the body, you come together as the body of Christ, is that you do experience peace, is that you are not anxious here, is that you don't have this going on here, you're not butting heads with your fellow Christians here, is that we can come here and we can confess to God, we can give thanksgiving, and we can experience His peace. So we come together and we receive peace with others because of the redemptive work of Christ that we see. So I hope that you're experiencing peace with others. Uh, if you're not experiencing peace with others, you may need to look at the verse above this and go to God in prayer and don't be anxious and give Him thanksgiving and give Him confessions and, uh, and uh, adoration and supplications and you will receive that peace with others. But this is a peace, as I read in this verse, this looks like this is a peace among believers because we know that outside these doors is that it's not as peaceful as we have experienced when we enter into the world. But that's okay because we have a peace that goes beyond all understanding because we have a relationship with Christ. And let's talk about that when we go to Colossians 1, 19. Just a couple of pages ahead of there. And it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So again, we see that the message of Christ and the gospel is the perfect life lived by Christ. He comes to us, we celebrate this as the birth of Christ, but we've got to understand that in the shadow of that cradle is the image of the cross is that Christ came to live a perfect life, to live a perfect life, to, to, to be able to be a worthy sacrifice to God, to satisfy this enmity between God and man, this enmity that we read about in Genesis from the beginning, is that Christ came to pay that price. So we see him come as, as humbly. We, we don't think about a prince. We, we see as we look at the life of Christ is that, that last week he comes as a king, and they praise him and worship him. But he doesn't ride on a stallion. He doesn't ride on the white horse we read about in Revelation. He comes in humbly on a donkey. This is a beast of burden because Christ is coming to pay a price. Christ comes in lowly circumstances. He comes into a place of lowly being, being born in a stable, being born in a manger, and so he has humble beginnings. 
We have a Savior who can identify with our needs and our hurts and our pain. And we have a Savior who understands is that we don't normally live in peace. But because of His price, because of His work on the cross, because of what He's done for us, is that we can enter into His peace. So today as we look, in the, we look at Isaiah 96, we talk about the wonderful Counselor and the mighty God. We talk about the everlasting Father. And we talk about the Prince of Peace. Is that you will understand is that's a peace you're not going to find anywhere else. That's a peace that they're not going to have a commercial on QVC for. You can look for peace, and it comes with a price, but it's a price that has already been paid, and it's a price that's been paid by the only one who can pay it, and that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as we look towards that verse and we see the Prince of Peace, we can understand that we can have peace with God, and it's only through Christ can we have that peace. And we can have peace with self, not because uh, we go to Dr. Phil and he makes us feel good, but we go to Dr. Jesus and he heals us and he forgives our sin and he makes us holy before God. That's how we have peace with self. And since we have peace with God and peace with self, we can have peace with our neighbor. We can have peace with our fellow mankind. We can enter into the peace that only God will understand and only God gives. And finally, we can experience peace on earth. Now, it talks about there will always be wars and rumors of wars, but this peace on earth is a peace that uh, is above the heavens. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the smartest, wisest, richest man that ever lived, was talking about all the things under the earth, and there was basically no hope. But we're looking for a hope that's outside of this earth, that's outside of this world, that we not only experience in the future, but we experience in the here and now, and we can experience that peace on earth. And it's, it's a peace that reconciles ourselves to Him. And it talks about whether it's here on earth or whether it's here uh, or whether it's in heaven. So we can experience that peace here. So I ask as you go through this time of the year is that you don't imagine yourself uh, on a roller coaster on the Texas Titan, that that's probably not the life that you're experiencing now. But we can stop and we can reflect. We can reflect on Isaiah 9, 6 and know that Jesus Christ comes to us as a Prince of Peace. They can experience the peace even in our turmoil. We can experience that peace and that we know that we can give all credit for that, for Christ and for His work and what He's done on the cross.